Welcome to episode one of Tech Trek. We're your hosts. I'm Jenny. And I'm Jeff. We're here to talk about transportation. Hey, Jeff, you've had some fun times on the road all over the galaxy, right? Yeah, I think there's a couple stories there, like uh, 13 and a half, 14 hours of flight out to Singapore, um, you know, over the North Pole, to Tokyo, to Singapore, or coming back even, I think it was more exciting, which was Singapore to Hong Kong to Chicago to Pittsburgh to Cleveland to Akron. That was Oof. super fun. Um, and I think uh, if we could talk about that one as well as the fly to St. Louis, wait for three and a half hours in the terminal, and then get on a six plane or a six seat plane with a single propeller to fly a half hour to Kirksville, Missouri. Then I think you know those stories alone kind of give it some fun transportation. What oh about yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I my favorite thing is being like stuck in a airport, you know, for hours or overnight, and they put you up in the airport hotel, give you vouchers or right there next to the runway. Right, and the the hustler club, those are fun. And <laughs> not to mention, I mean, there's air travel, there's that, there's commuting, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these roads shut down, having to go an hour and a half to work and back. Okay. It almost seems like flying combat missions to try to find alternate routes from your house to the office and back. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it gets you in a real, like, Green Beret state of mind, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I kind of picture, like, Rambo as I'm, you know, yeah. driving down tree-lined roads. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for your next opportunity, watching out for ambushes, you know. Yeah, like, orange yeah. barrels jumping out for, at you from the side of the road. Um, and that, the cone could be anything. There's got to be a better way, Will, right? Well, it's funny that you brought that up because there really is a better way. But I don't know if you've heard of this, this invention. It's it's still probably, you know, I'd say in its early phases um, in terms of uh, domestic use, Jenny. Mm-hmm. But um, we can tell you about it a little bit. It, it's called matter to energy conversion or what they call a transporter yes i've heard of this thing thing. what's your exposure been to it well i try to study it because i am really fed up with the day-to-day trek if you will uh back and forth short distances and long i really i really am looking for a better way a faster way instant way because i believe it's not about the journey. It is about the destination. Oh, oh. <laughs> so I think some would argue with you on that one, but I well, actually tend to agree, at least yeah. with the, like, the tactical, logistical type travel that we're talking about. You know, like, hey, I need to get to the grocery store. Yeah, I could get in my car and I could drive down the road and sit at four or five red lights and then finally 
get to the grocery store and try to find a parking spot. Or I could use my transporter pad and be there, you know, really fast and get back home really fast. And I could yeah. even transport groceries. I don't even have to carry them in from the car with the rain and the bags ripping open and all that kind of stuff, right? Absolutely. True. And, we, and who do we have to thank for this? Emery <laughs> Erickson. The father of the transporter. The transporter daddy. So Emery is, uh, was, was, what's his story? Was he trying to look for the same kind of thing? Was he, you know, tired of trying to commute to work and wanted a faster way to do it? Was he looking to um, go try to rob a bank? What, what do we know about Emery? Well, the one thing that I could pick up, thanks Memory Alpha, is that he was all about fame and notoriety and he wanted to make a big old splash and he got yeah some taste of success with inventing the teleporter, which is a way to travel instead of using roads or airplanes or boats or whatever is you use subspace. And that is part of the universe below our space, or I don't know, below it's directions relative, right? It's connected somehow. Um, (laughs) And, you know, usually we find our way into subspace through certain anomalies. Uh, you know, we don't need to go into uh, every single bit of the, the physics behind it, I don't think. No, but one thing you do need to know about subspace is that it's both the cause and the cure of most of our problems. Oh, great. At least, <laughs> at least in this day and age of teleportation or transportation. What is it called? Transporters. At least in this day and transporters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the point of the whole thing is a, the transporter gets you from here to there, like, instantly. Right? So how fast, how fast are we talking about? Like, I've heard, I've heard different pieces of this. And, you know, I think, you know, maybe early on people were saying, you know, 15 seconds. I heard that's too long. Eight seconds is like the max. And then I heard it get even smaller and smaller in, in terms of the amount of time. So, like, how right. instant are we talking about? Well, nowadays we're talking instant. But in the early days, it was like a full minute and a half in oh which you could, and you could feel yourself being pulled apart and then rematerialized. It was so upsetting that Erickson said that the first thing he did after teleport, transporting which he was the first one to transport. The first thing he did was lose his lunch, and the second thing he did was get stone drunk. <laughs> so let's raise a glass to Daddy Erickson, the father God. of <laughs> the <laughs> transporter. At least he's done that first for us. Um, I, I mean, I've heard that it's smoothed out a little bit since then. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just from what I've been reading about the transporter, it's, it's at least... Um, a, a whole lot shorter than a minute and a half. I don't know um, if we probably could wrap our brains around how long that would be to be taken apart and then put back together. It's kind of strange. Well, the thing is that the way they work now is that you are immobilized slightly and you also are just not aware of the journey. To you, it's instantaneous. Oh. Yeah. So it's really taken away all the hassle and all the heartache of getting from point A to point B, you know, basically so by par- paralyzing you and making you forget everything, so. Yeah, but, but on the 
on the positive side of that, right? So you've got patient anywhere you want to go. Now, is it is it like long distances as well? What's the best use for it? Well, I think most transporters can go about 10,000 kilometers. I have no idea what that is because I'm American, but it sounds like a lot. <laughs> it does sound like a large distance, but I'm sure in metric, it's probably more, you know, the conversion to our our regular measurements is probably like, what, 25 feet, 10,000 kilometers? It's got to be something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> I think the max they actually got was 40,000 kilometers, which is like four times as much as whatever 10,000 kilometers is. So that's, that's good math. Yeah, real good math. And then there's also this thing called subspace transport. Like I know the tele the transporter uses subspace somehow, but you can actually transport through subspace and and go like several light years. Now, okay. now I realize we've gone from kilometers, which is a measurement, to light years, which is time. So I don't know how far that is. I don't know. I don't know the conversion rate. It would take a science officer probably to explain that. I feel like that subspace transport is probably more rare. Uh, well, I have um, I have my handy science officer, um, Dr. Safari here, and but ten thousand kilometers is six thousand uh -huh. miles. That's that's okay. a pretty good pretty good distance. So like, is that like Singapore distance? It'd be like here to Hawaii. Okay. So you'd have to do a couple times to get to Singapore, maybe. Yeah, maybe a couple of transports, but that'd still probably cut out a, you know, 25-hour trip on a plane, mm -hmm. sitting in the middle seat, in the middle section, uh, in coach. Oh, God. And next to you is asleep, and everyone in front of you is asleep, so you can't move. Hmm. And you had lactose intolerance hit you while you're on the plane. So. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah no i feel you i um yeah i Not think speaking from personal experience or anything obviously <laughs> yeah hmm. so forty thousand kilometers is if ten thousand is six then forty thousand is what twenty four thousand miles i don't know yeah twenty four thousand yeah that's pretty close um which is i mean that's a couple times around the earth yeah, so, you know, state-of-the-art transporters these days will get you wherever you want to go on Earth anytime. Sure. Now, what's nice is that they have public transporters, you know, little standalone oh, stations. Yeah, like a phone booth, right? Pre-programmed destination coordinates. Just pop in there and say, like, I don't know, I want to go to Key West. You know, send me over to... Singapore? I don't know if that would be pre-programmed or not. You probably have some like common destinations, you know, like Tokyo, that kind of stuff. Beijing. Kirksville. You know, Kirksville, obviously, have its own uh, single pad, probably. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but they can't use it when it's raining. They can't use it when it's raining outside because they don't have the uh, you know most up-to-date radar for it. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the good thing about this kind of travel is, is is the reduction of delays and all of the red tape and logistics and security because, like, these things have stuff built into them, right, to prevent you from getting, you know, carrying 
you know, contraband with you or um, yeah, was, bringing disease. I was going to ask about like, like biological disease type stuff. Um, it seems like uh, from what I've read, there's a way to store off uh, protocols and things like that to, to prevent those from coming through, um, which seems like a, a pretty nice way to add security to the whole thing. Totally. Um, and, and like when you do transport, by the way, you leave a nice, like fresh scent behind like ionization after a rainstorm. That's kind of what it smells like, but yeah, they have bio filters that will decontaminate things that are transported and people that are transported, you know, stop people from sending harmful substances from one place to another. They don't do jack shit for psychic energies. However, like if you've got some sort of like psychic powers that you could you know do harm with or whatever that's the tel- the transporter's not going to be able to deal with that it's only it's only strictly dealing with things of the biological type nature right right okay so i mean we've talked about a couple of really cool things here i think mm-hmm. we've got like uh, we've got some distances this thing can really kick some butt and mm-hmm. getting things to really quick we've talked a little bit about um, like some of the max distances, we've talked about a little bit of the science about it. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah. this would have to have a lot of science behind it in order to make it work. Um, just thinking <laughs> about some of the traditional ways of transportation, um, shuttles or uh, planes or um, getting on a, you know, on a bus, climbing in the back of a minivan with four people you don't know and traveling through the back country of Missouri, uh, that sort of thing. So, yeah, um, or getting on a RV, for instance, and driving to Jersey, you know, you get there, you're ready to murder everybody that you're with. Yeah. This is, this so is what I mean. Use that out, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is what I mean about, it's about the destination and not the journey, because as much as people romanticize the journey, like it's really, you know, there are just sparks and, and spots of, joy but for the most part it's boredom drudgery agony drama maybe depending on who you're traveling with right like you know just did a road trip a couple weekends ago and we saw the mothman museum it was great great fun cool stuff but then there was like hours upon hours of the rumbling road trying to figure out how to entertain your brain while you just wait and and i i don't find it illuminating or validating (laughs) as a human being in this you know mortal coil coil that we're on it really doesn't do anything for me so i think too building on that i mean if we're able to talk about reduction in all of the sort of physical ways of transport that we know Right, mm-hmm. um, yeah. certainly have a pretty awesome environmental impact because we would basically stop needing cars, and mm-hmm. we would stop we'd stop needing coal for trains, and we'd stop needing airplanes and jet fuel. Um, stop me if I'm wrong, but it seems like this would have a pretty awesome positive sort of coefficient for the environment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does consume a lot of power, right? To oh, really? De- 
to, to deconstruct an organic being, store them in the pattern buffer, keep them there, use the Doppler effect to be able to get them where they're going in one piece in the right time zone and everything like that. I mean, there's a lot of mental energy and energy energy that goes into maintaining this kind of thing. Is it better than getting in a driverless car? Hmm, yes. For me, it seems it would be, right? Yeah. Um, it's certainly well, better than having to drive my car somewhere. I, I, I think I... I think I've made it pretty clear how much I don't like that. <laughs> right, right. Well, let's walk through it, right? You stand on the platform. You tell the yeah, treads. Talk, talk to the, the routine. All right. So you stand on a, on a platform that has a little disc, right? And you tell the transporter chief to energize. And, and away you go, okay? So at, from this point on, you personally get broken down into a stream of subatomic particles. It's called a matter stream. Okay. That's what they call it. And then this matter stream is sent into a pattern buffer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, um, then to the emitter array. And the emitter array is like a bunch of devices that handle a lot of things, like the tractor beams, deflectors, force shields, that kind of stuff. And it's all flowed across the subspace domain. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in, you're in a machine temporarily. For you, it, you probably won't even notice anything. Um, so the buffers used during the matter energy conversion, which is what's happening in the transporter, right? So it temporarily stores the matter stream following dematerialization. Um, prior to setting the stream to its target. So, and, and you do this because of the relative motion of the transporter and the target. So it's temporarily stores your matter stream, the Doppler compensators, you have enough time to adjust the targeting scanners. And, and once you're in there, um, it, okay, once you're in there, it does a, a molecular scan, right? And it makes sure that there's no contaminants and all that kind of stuff, but it also records your DNA and everything about you and stores that off for later use, probably. Um, But this buffer process is where things can go really wrong. If they're going to go wrong, they're going to go wrong in the buffer, right? But then you're reconstructed and, you know, landed at the target. So it's like, if you're experiencing it yourself, probably doesn't feel like anything, but there's a lot of science happening. And there's a lot of room for malfunction. Like, you yeah. know, maybe maybe some debris gets in the way and you end up with a rock in your elbow. It becomes a part of your body, right? So what if you got a transporter chief who's kind of like a little scamp? They bring you through, they don't bring your clothes through. That's, <laughs> all, that's happened. Oh. So you're on the grid. You're at the mercy of a potentially perverted transporter chief. Um, you can maybe get your keys stuck in your spleen if you move around a little too much. Or if you accidentally, you know, go to visit your Aunt Delta and you end up in the Delta Quadrant instead because some dum-dum set the subspace transport up by accident. So, you know, 
light years away. Hmm. Wanted to see good Aunt Delta ended up in the Delta Quadrant. And there's no getting back from there. Yeah, there's that that's uh I mean we, we know the stories about that. That's that's uh that's pretty much the rest of your life. Yeah. So, Unless so you sounds, I think you're a little a little down on them, but I think we can leave that for the moment. I was wondering, we've gone pretty far down in this conversation. Um mm-hmm. wonder if take a quick break sure. for a snack. Yeah, let's do. Let's have a fortune cookie. Yeah. Hey, Wesley. Get us a cookie. <laughs> you like fortune cookies? I like fortune cookies. Now here's my fortune. A wise man can hear profit in the wind. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind of could apply even to this conversation. Yeah? You think about it, like, Hey, I need to uh, beat my competition at getting stuff shipped faster than everyone else. I could just use a transporter and get yeah. it there. And oh. like, like, hey, here's my price, but I'll get it there instantly. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Or what if, like, because you're traveling so fast, you're like the wind, and when you're in the buffer, you get the uh, best idea ever <laughs> that I'll insert later. So you're like the wind, and when you're in the buffer, you have discovered an alternate uh, fuel source for Starship to use. Yeah. <laughs> You can go sail down at the Starfleet gas depot. <laughs> right. You can hear profit. Uh, a wise man can hear profit in the wind. Hmm. You're in the wind. You're, you are the wind. You are the wind. Yeah. And you give someone a stock tip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, okay, a wise man can hear profit in the wind. Oh, that's fringy. So Wesley gave you this cookie? Yeah, he's been baking. Um, I asked for chocolate chip cookies, but um, all I ever get is fortune cookies. I'll leave it to Wesley to improv on a cookie and come up with a fortune cookie with Ferengi nonsense in it. Yeah. A wise man can hear profit in the wind. Hmm. We'll have to think about that one a little bit. I guess maybe, maybe it's like keeping your giant ears to the ground, only <laughs> you're keeping your giant ears to the wind. Turned up to the wind? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe the Ferengi can hear it a little bit better than the Vulcans. I think. Well, their ears are Vulcans, gigantic. They could hear it, but they wouldn't hear it as well as the Ferengi because they're just huge ears. Yeah. But. Yeah. And the Vulcans don't really care about profit so much. So they wouldn't be listening for it. Right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely more in tune with logic than profit. Yeah, science, that stuff. Yeah. Math. Which, have you ever heard anything on the wind that led you to profit? I'm trying to think about it here. Um, 
No. No, no. I haven't. No. What about, I mean, what do you hear on the wind, though? Like, I'm, all, I'm, I'm hearing train whistles blowing, maybe. Um, I hear... I hear uh, some motorcycles in the yeah. backyard. You have motorcycles in your backyard? No, it just sounds like they are, but it's just coming through the, uh-huh. the sound. Motorcycles wouldn't be the best way of transportation. No. Well, some would argue that it is. <laughs> in fact, it was... Okay. This may be off topic. But I saw a meme today about a bunch of bikers riding on D.C. in order to combat a bunch of Muslim demonstrators. And I was asked by this meme to share if I was on the bikers' side. (laughs) And I was like, "What? this is not the world I want to live in. I don't want to be bikers versus Muslims. I want them to be, like, totally friends and, like, helping each other out, right? Like, isn't this the promise of the next generation? Isn't this the promise of the future that, you know, we can, that we can, like, help each other out in this case? Or at least start out from a place of confrontation and end up, Nervous allies or something like that. Um, (laughs) This is what's getting me. Like, I love the transporter. Don't get me wrong. But I'm also, like, nervous about losing my keys and my spleen. But, like... You hear that. Yeah. But I'm feeling a rant coming on. Um, I feel fundamentally let down by the... Really? By the reverse in course of what felt like a future toward the Federation, which now feels like factions. Mm. Mm. And I wonder if we aren't in a parallel dimension. Well, it, I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah. Um, in the parallel dimension, obviously, there's, a, there's an alliance between the Klingons and the Kardashians that I've heard about that's pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm pretty sure there's a like a BDSM version of myself somewhere else that I'll have to deal with. <clears throat> you know, yeah. leather leather clad meanie in another dimension. I probably have hair in another dimension. Well so. and that's the dimension I'm talking about. <laughs> Where you have hair and we're friends. Where bikers and Muslims are friends. This is this yeah, is the future. It's like what building a better bridge to a better future. So. Yes, building bridges to tomorrow, where <laughs> where her bikers and Muslims can walk hand in hand. So back to transporters. Yes. Since you, you did talk about your nervousness towards mm-hmm. you know, losing your teeth clean, for example. Yeah. Um, where are you at on the scale of, let's say the scale is 1 to 10. Okay? Mm-hmm. 1 is, I'd still rather just drive my car. 10 is, um, I'm on the next transporter pad to you know, New Berlin on the moon surface. 
Okay. Mhm. That's on the moon. Uh, it's it's to come. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When they tear when they tear on the moon. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So, where am I uh, at? Yeah, where are you at on that scale? Well, I am worried a little bit about what they call transporter related diseases, like transporter psychosis. Um, I understand if you have a multiplex pattern buffer, you can kind of maybe reduce this risk. But like, you know, hop on the transporter pad, tell them to, you know, engage, and then you're, you lose your mind. On the other end. If you get there, wherever you're going pretty quick. That's true. That's really the important thing. I mean, if you're talking about the destination as opposed to the journey, I mean, would you rather go crazy over a long period of time or just instantly crazy? Yeah, good question. For me, it'd be instantly crazy. I mean, I'm an optimist, so I'm right. I'm on 10, like on the next transporter pad to New Berlin because it's awesome. I want to try that out. So much can go wrong, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> You start messing with subspace, you don't know. I mean, subspace is what, like Jordy said, it was like a huge honeycomb with an infinite number of cells, and it's connected us to to us somehow. But usually, we only get to it through like anomalies. I don't know. Yeah, but it's honey. So, well, that's know. true. Can't say anything bad about honey. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> And honeycombs are quite delightful to look at, except when there's bees in them. That's true. They are a little a little bit scary when, when you cut one open by it, and there's a bunch of bees staring up at you rather angrily. So. Yeah, they're like, hey, it's our house, man. Get out. You, but, I, you, but I'm a bear, that. and I love honey. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think we're I think we understand a little bit more about transporters. We understand yeah. a lot of the danger. Yeah. We also understand how awesome they are. I mean, yeah. they are still pretty cool, even with the dangers. For them. Yeah. Would you say that they are a better way than some transport? I Would think I at least so. You- yeah. Do you know what I'm most excited about though? Is really yeah. like. Uh, the deconstruction of the heavy-handed infrastructure around travel. Yeah. It's, like it's so thick. It's thick with two C's, yeah. and it's, it's like that. so. I mean, just consider air travel. Right. It it's right. being there two hours early. It's about being felt up. It's about being x-rayed, you know, see through your clothes. It's about Cinnabon attacking your face. It's about sitting about in that three, middle what, seat. Three fluid ounces of, you know, something in your carry-on. It's about taking off your shoes and your belt and dehumanize. And then you have to sit and wait. And then you have to use a bathroom with blue toilet water that smells and then, in a like, room what's, of your shoe. Yeah. And what's the deal with airplane food? 
Well, uh, there there isn't any. I don't know what 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 you're referring to. (laughs) What airplane food, Jerry? It's it's the the burrito you grab on the way to the gate, right? That's yeah, (laughs) yeah. And then the IBS that kicks in once you're on board. Yeah. Yeah. As you're stuck, as you're stuck in the middle seat. I could be converted by the sheer fact that if I had a public transporter device with some pre-programmed destinations where I didn't have to service the bureaucracy with such humble supplication. Like, perhaps the transporter is a return to humanity a little bit. Think about this scenario, Jenny. Think about this. Mm -hmm. We're here here at our our lovely domestic area. Mm -hmm. And say... We have the idea that we'd like to take us and our significant others for mm-hmm. a nice dinner in Montreal. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. Scenario you laid out about regular travel, we'd have to buy tickets. Mm-hmm. And they'd probably already oversold the plane. So, you know, there's that whole situation. Yeah. It's the air friendly, right? They heard profit on the wind, they did. They heard profit on the wind. That's an airplane, is what they heard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so they, we get there two hours early. We wait in our lines. Um, finally, get down to our seat. It's a couple-hour flight out to Montreal. You have to go through customs. You have to go through all that sort of rigmarole. You have to pretend and, to know French. Right. And that's a hard thing. Um, yeah. Because they will look down at you really harshly if you don't. And then try to find our way to the restaurant from the airport in Montreal, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It hardly seems worth it, Jeff. In the alternate way of doing this, go to the public transporter. Montreal is going to be programmed in already because it's, who doesn't want to go to Montreal? Right. And then you know, get on the transporter pad, get off a minute later, you know, or less, mm-hmm. and be pretty close to where we're going to eat dinner. It's not ruffled. Everyone's relaxed. Everyone's you know, ready for an, an evening out, and then we could take the transporter back. Now you'd have to worry about like drunk drivers or anything else like that. You paint a pretty picture, Jeff. I must say, Montreal. Montreal. <laughs> the other side of that coin, though, is that you know they have your entire biological makeup stored off. You know, that's next level against TSA, right? Because I don't think they're doing any DNA stuff on TSA. But on the other hand, like, go ahead, take my DNA, know everything about me, and then react accordingly. Now I don't have to to talk to people anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny, because that reminds me of of, um, a piece of wisdom that I picked up. I don't know if you knew this. Um, I, I haven't shared it with everyone, Jenny, but, um, you know, I was adopted by a Klingon family. What? So my Klingon adopted grandpa wasn't the nicest guy. No. But, I mean, he didn't like me very much, but I can understand, uh, you know. Well, you're human. Yeah. And he's a Klingon. There are differences. But sure. He had a couple of really cool things to say, and I thought maybe 
I thought about what you were talking about in these experiences and sort of the dehumanization of things and, or as he would say, de-clingonization of things, but you know, <laughs> sure. his, his, his stream. Um, he had a, a really cool thing. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to read it to us in Klingon first, and then I'll give you the English translation too. Okay. Well, okay. Mm, deep. A sharp knife is nothing without a sharp eye. Hmm. And he's talking about, you know, a Klingon. He told me about a story about this. Yeah. A Klingon warrior would never go into battle with their bat left and a blindfold. Okay. We, we should go. <laughs> we should go into every situation armed with our knowledge and our skills. Yeah. That's our armor, right? Right. It's right. And also an ear to the wind for profit. Well, and I think that ties into this, right? Because now yeah. we're going to use our, our weapon and mm-hmm. we're going to have our eyes, we're going to have our ears listening for the profit on the wind. Yeah. And we probably, we probably should have our head on a swivel too, just in case. Well, if if people are throwing bat lifts around, then yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have your head on a swivel. Yeah, maybe literally. <laughs> could be. It could end up that way as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, say it again. What's the proverb again? Uh, in in English or in Klingon? In in English, please. A sharp knife is nothing without a sharp eye. Mm-hmm. You got to know where you're going to stab, I guess. Well, I think it's that. I think it's you're going into a situation and uh, you're not just swinging your, your weapon around randomly. No. So that's not going to right? Right. You're not just, point, just swinging your bat left wildly because that could hurt you. Mm-hmm. Even faster than it could hurt your opponent, right? Yeah. But it also, it also means, you know, you are looking at the situation. You are aware of all the things that are going on, and then, then you can take the the wise course of action. Yes, and that applies to transporting as well. I mean, because it's, you can't just blast your molecules wherever. Right, I think like, that would be. That would be bad. Yeah, I think that would be <clears throat> for for most people. So if you're in a situation where you're being deconstructed and then reconstructed and you'd really want somebody behind, you know, the chief, you know, to be able to safely handle all that stuff, you know, keep their eyes open, sharp eye, sharp weapon, in case anything goes wrong. Yeah. Well, Klingon wisdom's eternal. It applies to everything. <laughs> it really does. Sure does. I think we've said all we can say about transporters at this point, or can we? We probably could talk. I, for think, I mean, I think we're good. I mean, we. I think we've understood some of the danger. We've understood some of the cool stuff. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about what we can do. Yeah, and it's important to like understand the upsetting nature of what happens to yourself as you go through it, and then realize yeah. that you probably could have a drink on the other side and be okay. Yeah, you pretty know, you, quickly. Actually. Pretty quickly. And you could, you could always toast our 
Daddy Erickson, you know, and his wisdom. Yeah. Although I know he tried to push it, push it, push it. Without him, we'd be stuck in a terminal, which the name alone is pretty sad. With awful carpet and uncomfortable chairs. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks, Emery Erickson, for your drive, for your vision, for your bravery, for stepping on that first pad, for your profit. Like, you had an ear to the wind for that profit, I'm pretty sure. Got a little taste, want a little more. The cool thing is, is we don't even know, like, how transporters could really, like, maybe rescue a person and hold them in the buffer for a while until somebody could get there to get them back. (laughs) Jeff, there's a... There's a part about Scotty. You remember when he was stuck in the uh, buffer? He put himself in the buffer. Stuck in there to keep himself from dying. Yeah. 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 So there are some success stories with hanging out in the buffer for a while to get rescued. But Emerson's son actually was in the buffer for a little bit. And when he rematerialized, died within seconds. So, you know, it's really risky. Yeah. But, like, if you take the straight and narrow and you follow the policies and you don't, like, try to bring in harmful shit, you know, pretty much transporter's okay. I'll give it a thumbs up. I have a thumbs up on my side, too. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, If you want to get uh, thanks to Memory Alpha for all the facts uh, that we got. Uh, If you want to email us. You can reach us at techtrekpodcast at gmail.com. If you wonder how that's spelled, just look at the name of the podcast. It's pretty and, easy. It's yeah. So. The only thing that might trip you up is that a lot of people spell tech, T-E-C-H, and we spell it T-E-K. Uh, and there's also sure. techtrekpodcast.com. And you can find me on Twitter somewhere at Jenny7SSS. That's three S's. As in you can find me... You can find me on Twitter at Jeff Kirk. Yeah, it's pretty basic, man. Pretty easy, yeah. I'm yeah. embarrassingly easy. <laughs> Next up, we're going to talk about the warp drive and how it has impacted our lives. I can't wait anyway. to talk about that one. Yeah? yeah? What are you most looking forward to with warp drive? That it's beyond what we can actually process in our brains. Yeah. Same. Until next time. Until next time, guys. And remember that a sharp knife is nothing without a sharp eye. Exactly. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed.